Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast, hosted by Brian Bisking. Brian started this weekly podcast to give a voice to leaders of our community, to share their story, their journey, and the lessons that they have learned along the way. Brian grew up in a small town outside of St. Louis, where he watched his father run a small business and was always interested in how the leaders in his community got where they are. Whether it's a local business leader, a philanthropist, or a celebrity, these are your STL Leaders. Join us today, where we will chat with another pillar of our community on this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. And now, your host, Brian Bisking. Hello, St. Louis, and welcome to this week's episode of the STL Leaders Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Bisking. And before we get to this week's episode, I want to thank my sponsors. First, NWO IT Services, Synchrony HR, and Grit, Growth, Resilience, Intention, and Tenacity by Jennifer Bardot. And now, to this week's episode with Todd Thomas. Todd Thomas, welcome to the STL Leaders Podcast. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I'm great. I appreciate you taking uh, 20, 30 minutes to jump on here with me and just kind of chat about you and your story. By the way, your voice is beautiful. Have you ever done professional voiceover work? <laughs> no, I have not. This is about as close to thing as I've ever got to that. Oh, right on, right on. <laughs> it's but- dreamy. It's dream. <laughs> well, I bet you people would say the same thing about you and especially with your background in history. So let's kind of dive in there. Talk to me kind of about growing up, where you grew up and what led you to starting your DJ business. Okay. So uh, I grew up in a very small town in central Illinois called Bement. Uh, it's between Champaign and Decatur. It's about 1600 people. Uh, I had 32 in my graduating class from high school. So I impress people when I tell them that I was in the top 10 in my high school, but that's really when you consider it, not that great of a thing. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I grew up there, um, loved it. Uh, uh, my parents still live there. I get back every once in a while. Um, and then I uh, went to SIU Carbondale for college for four years and then kind of moved to the St. Louis area after that. And I've been here ever since, since about 1992. Um, I started... Uh, my first job was actually over in Highland, Illinois, in the grain industry, which was what my dad was in. Uh, I couldn't get a job with what my degree was, which was speech communications. Um, and so I was doing that. I was It was a great company, but I was miserable at the job. It wasn't my calling. And I answered an ad in the paper, said, are you funny? Can you sing? Can you dance? Long story short, I got hired and, and kind of moonlighted during the week at a bar on the landing called the Dirtwater Fox. And quickly, I realized that was my calling. Um, I um, kind of parted ways with the other job that I had and went full time, was the entertainment director there. And basically, it was the first karaoke bar in St. Louis uh, in the bottom of the embassy suites on the landing. And from there, I was an MC, but kind of learned to DJ. And then after about three years or so of being off and on there and doing some other jobs, I uh, I left and started Porta Party DJs. So that's almost... Uh, 30 years ago. Jeez. Holy cow. Holy cow. Um, yeah. And um, 
I was doing that for a couple of years and um, it was, I started out just kind of like a one man show. It was just me. I didn't have any DJs underneath me. Uh, and then um, uh, the, when the St. Louis Rams moved to uh, when the LA Rams moved to St. Louis um, in, in the late nineties, um, I was had a, uh, a chance to play the music during the games. And uh, when I, they ended up bringing someone from LA for that gig first year. So after that season was over, I called the person that my contact, they said, yeah, glad you called. We're hiring someone this week. I got nervous about that job. What, what it would entail called the Cardinals to find out if, did they have a job like that? And what does that person do? What kind of software do they need to know so that I was prepared for the gig? Funny thing is I never got the gig with the Rams, but that conversation led to a meeting uh, the, the conversation was on a Monday, the meeting on a Wednesday, um, got hired on Friday and opening day was the following Monday. And I'm getting ready for my 28th season with the St. Louis Cardinals as their in-game MC. So um, when people ask me, how do you get the Cardinals gig? Truly, I called them about another job. So that's kind of what I've been doing for the past 28 years, 30 years is DJing and MCing and, um, you know, running a business and uh, working for the Cardinals. Yeah, that's a crazy story that you uh, coming from, a you know, starting your own DJ business to making a phone call about a potential job and then the Cardinals end up hiring you. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty that's pretty cool. Well, you and I met years and years ago uh, when I worked for 62 Sports Group under Matt McSpearin and then Brent Freeman bought it and ran incredible events. And I know we used you a bunch and your DJ business a bunch. How has your DJ business grown just in, I mean, that last 30 years? You obviously started your your own individual. How many DJs do you have underneath you now? And I think last yep. time I chatted with you, you were doing like 80 something weddings in September or October of this last past year. Yeah, yeah, it's really grown. Um, uh, you know, I'll, I'll tell you that at the beginning, it was just me, as I mentioned. And um, I, as I became more successful, as I became uh, my company, you know, did more and more events, I can only be at one place at one time. And, you know, I started turning away a lot of business where I would just give it to someone that I knew, another DJ company. And finally, after doing that a, a few times, I'm like, hey, um, there's money to be made here. If I'm sending to someone else, why can't I train someone and have them work under me? So it gradually grew and grew and grew. And basically, I never said no. So if someone asked me, are you available for an event? Yes, I am. Can you do karaoke? Yes, we can. Do you have projectors? Yes, I can. I just never said no and then figured it out later. Uh, and so that's kind of how this got to be where it is now. Um, you know, COVID obviously took a huge beating on me and my business uh, because, you know, the five ways in which I made money, private events, corporate events, bars, weddings, and the St. Louis Cardinals were, were not doing anything. So uh, although looking back at that time, it was awesome because I got to spend a lot of time with my kids and my wife and uh, didn't have any work going on, but it was scary. Um, but yeah. coming out of COVID with all these events, um, the last two years have just been crazy. Um, in September and October, both in 2022 and this past year in 2023, we did about 85 weddings in two months. And that includes about four or five dates where we did 12 in one day. So Holy I don't cow. want to run that big of a business. But again, as I told you, I, I don't say no. And so I just make it happen. I figure it out and say yes. And then and then later, later figure out how to go with it. So that's kind of where I am today. Again, a perfect size business for me might be more like seven or eight events in a night. And that would still be great. It's still a lot to manage. But um, with the way things are going now, I'm starting to book myself less 
and my DJs more and kind of just run it, run the show. Um, I'm not by any means saying I'm retiring, but um, it's a lot better way of life when you're not working as much to next year. Uh, well, actually this fall, I'm going to have a senior, junior and freshman in college and possibly at three different colleges. So I want to be able to go visit them and hang out and, and uh, not be tied down to a job. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, absolutely. So let's dive into the Cardinals a little bit. Obviously talked about how you got into the role there. Um, 28 seasons with them. Incredible. Obviously you, you mentioned here the COVID year was, uh, was kind of a down year, but talk to me about how that role has evolved over the last 28 years. You know, I, you know, anytime anybody goes to the Cardinals game, they have to see you on screen in the, in the crowd and, and talking to the fans, things along those lines. Did it start out like that originally, or is that, is it evolved into that over the last few years? What's really interesting is that, um, I don't have proof of this. I've never really looked it up, but I'm led to believe that they're, there may or may not have been um, someone doing what I do um, at other uh, clubs. Uh, you know, if there were, there weren't a lot of us. And um, they brought me in really to, to just do one event. Um, it was the Southwest Airlines family of the game. And that's what it started out as. But then I think quickly they found out that having a live person on camera with a microphone with fans in the crowd was better than just a fan on the camera and the PA announcer, John Hewlett doing the voiceover stuff for it. Cause you know, and then plus, you know, I'm, I can be funny. I can be witty. Um, I can ad lib. And just that interaction was something that quickly it went from just doing one thing a game to, to multiple. And, you know, when I show up, I don't know if I'm going to do one or two things or, you know, seven or eight, um, probably in the middle there is what is tip is typical, but, um, that's kind of how it's evolved is that it's not just one thing. And um, what I love about the Cardinals is that they give me so much freedom that you know, if I come up with an idea or want to do something, I think one of the, the coolest things I have come up with is I do uh, this. It's called Sing Along, where I've created these songs that uh, I edited them where they stop where, you know, the crowd would sing along and I get the whole crowd to sing it. And then, you know, we do three or four of them. And on the last one, they're singing as, you know, the batter gets announced and it's really cool. I know the blues do the same sort of thing with uh country roads, you know, where they stop yeah. and the crowd sings along, but imagine doing that, you know, three or four songs during the game. Um, that's pretty cool. And the, the other thing, another thing that I like doing is um, we have this thing called copy that where something's on the screen and you're supposed to copy it. Well, one of uh, our favorite features is where they put someone up on the screen and then I just, act like them so you know if they're you know chewing on their sunglasses or acting goofy or whatever and, that, and that's pretty fun too so um lots of freedom there to to kind of do what i want and you know i i think you know they're not everything is always successful but that's the great thing is that you got to try and try again yeah absolutely well and to your point um you know, the Cardinals allowing that entertainment in between innings. Uh, I mean, let's be real. Baseball is an entertainment sport for fans, right? That's what it's that's what it's there for. And to have you do that in, you know, in between innings and and bringing the crowd into it and things along those lines is obviously more entertaining for the fans and a better fan experience overall when they're coming to the stadium, especially the last year when the Cardinals weren't uh, weren't that great. Hopefully we have a, a better season this year. Uh, yeah, last year was brutal. Yeah, last year was a little rough. Uh, I've been a Cardinal fan my whole life, and it was it was a little rough. But I, I'm very optimistic that this year we'll turn it around. So, so. Uh, speaking of, uh, you know, the Cardinals and um, how good they've been and, and their history, 
What would you say is probably one of your favorite memories of being at a game? If you look back at 28 years, you've seen some incredible stuff. What would be your favorite memory when you were at Bush Stadium? Um, well, it sort of is a game, but it definitely was at Bush Stadium. Um, <clears throat> I would have to go with in 2006 when we won the World Series. Uh, uh, excuse me. In 2006, when we won the World Series, uh, I was asked to put together three DJs on three floats of which I was one of them. And then my wife and kids who they were at that time, like four, three and one. And um, they were on a, a float with the families of some of the people that work for the Cardinals. And uh, my boss, Tony and I were on this float and I was playing music on a microphone and we had this big confetti cannon and we're going through the streets and it's just sea and sea of red and white and Cardinal fans everywhere. And we're blowing off confetti and I'm on the mic getting people to cheer and all that. Well, <clears throat> as if that wasn't the highlight of the day, we roll into Bush Stadium. And now I'm right behind home plate in the green seats with my wife and kids. We're hanging out. And it's like, uh, let's just say it's 2.15. I don't know the exact time, but I know it was 15 minutes prior to when the Clydesdales were coming out with the with the trophy. And my boss says, hey, can you warm up this crowd for 15 minutes? Because, I mean, it's just, it's packed. It's, it's sold right. out crowd. And so there's this big stage at second base and I walk up and there's a microphone on a stand standing there. And I had um, called up to the control room to tell him to get celebration ready, <laughs> the song celebration. And I walk up to the microphone and I go, we are the champions of the world. And the place just erupted. And when I tell <laughs> the story, the hairs on my neck start standing up because it was, it was just so unbelievable. And I go, we are the champions of the world. I'm going to say it two more times. You say it with me. We are are the champions of the world. We are the, and then they just say the champions of the world, the whole place. And so make some noise. And I mean, just, it just was electric. And then he played celebration and Fred Bird came out and did some high kicks. I mean, that was, that was just unbelievable. An unbelievable. Yeah. Moment. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, 2006 was an incredible, incredible world series. Chris Carpenter and just all that was just an, an incredible Incredible time, and then we go back and do it again in 2011, which you know mm -hmm. could possibly be one of the best World Series uh, game sevens have ever, you know, ever happened. So, just I got to imagine you, you got so game many six? game six. Sorry, yeah, yeah. game six, yeah, yeah game six. Uh, right. But I got to imagine you have so many cool memories just being a part of the Cardinals organization. And I know as a fan, it, it's uh, very appreciative of all that you kind of do there for the St. Louis Cardinals and the city of St. Louis. So, hey, uh, let me tell you, cool uh, let me tell you a story real quick that not a lot of people know. And I'm not super happy about it, but it, it's just the way that was back then. But in 2011, um, you know, I I was done with uh, um, my in-game stuff at the Cardinals at that at the game six, and I was leaving the stadium. We were getting beat to go down to. Uh, I think I was working at Kilroy's at that time to set up to DJ after the game. You know, I was thinking, well, World Series is over. And as I'm walking through the concourse and out by the clubhouse, I see a ton of media and all of the players from the Rangers, their wives and families were all standing there in um, clear um, rain suits because they were preparing for a champagne celebration in the visitor's clubhouse. <laughs> and it was just kind of humiliating walking by them and had to say, excuse me, as I walked through and then lo and behold, we come back and win that game. And I'm just thinking about what they must have felt like, you know, have to take those suits off. Be like, damn it, damn it, damn it. <laughs> I wasn't even there for the for the end of the game. You know, that's what's crazy about it. But yeah, I was I was actually um 
I was down at patios for the for game six and game seven. Uh-huh. Um, my wife was there for game six, but unfortunately I wasn't inside the stadium. But I'll tell you, in game seven, when they won, they were letting fans in, you know, at the very end. And I just rushed right into the stadium and got to yeah. see the celebration, which was pretty cool. That's awesome. Yeah, that was yeah, pretty cool memory for sure. So let's switch gears here a little bit. Obviously leading a business and, um, you know, working for the Cardinals, you have some leadership mentality and are able to, you know, an entrepreneurship mentality. Talk to us about leadership. Where did you learn to become a leader? How have you changed as a leader over the last several years? Um, not only in your business, but also working with the Cardinals. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm not sure you you learn it as much as it could be in your blood. Um, even from a young age, I've always kind of been the one to grab the reins and, you know, do whatever. Uh, you know, when I was in grade school, I started a, a boys cheerleading team for the girls basketball games. Um, when my kids were young at, ele- at their elementary school, um, they didn't go to a private school. So there wasn't really a dad's club. And I started this uh, organization called Dads of Concord, which is still going, by the way, that uh, raises money. We do events and all that sort of thing. So I've always kind of been someone that wants to be busy and help lead and do things with my business. I think I'm a, you know, I, I lead by example. I think that, you know, showing DJs what to do, how to do it, and um, having some great customer service and making sure that, you know, they're all on the same page as me. I think all those things kind of go hand in hand with a successful business and making sure that, um, you know, you're you're fair and honest and, um, you know, lead by example, I guess you'd, I'd say. <clears throat> well, especially in your business, you know, you know, as you said, you started as a one man show and now grown to doing 80 weddings in two months is just incredible. And so obviously you have to have some leadership skill to be able to teach the team around you to be able to go do produce the event just like you produce the event right um and so that brings that you know that brings um you know the mentality the work ethic etc uh to your team speaking of which how do you do the cardinals games and dj all in the same day do you do you do that all the time certainly yeah um you know there's i will miss cardinal games sometimes i'll um you know i i I control my own schedule so uh, what's really what's really great is when it's an afternoon game, let's say on a Saturday where I can go do my pregame at ballpark village, I can do the game and then scoot out and then go DJ a wedding. Um, some people think that sounds terrible, but it's in my blood. Entertainment, yeah. So that doesn't bother me at all. I've been doing it a long time. Yeah, for sure. Well, and it goes back to the whole work ethic thing, right? You know, talking about how you've had it, had it since you were in school and, and continue to develop it over the years. It's uh, pretty incredible. Um, mm-hmm. with the growth of the business. And as you kind of said, you're, you're current starting to not retire, so to speak, but taking more time for your family and your, and, uh, and your kids being in college, how do you, how do you see the growth of the business and, and installing some of those leadership skills into your team? How, have you thought about how you're going to be able to do that? Um, I'm just now starting to do it. I had a good conversation with a gentleman the other day who, uh, consults business owners on them that are wanting to maybe sell their business. And he he said something that really stuck with me. And that was, if he sits down with the business owner at his, at at their desk and for an hour, and that guy's interrupted multiple times by phone calls or knocks on the door of things that the business can't resolve on their own, he goes, that's not a business that's ready to be sold. And that kind of stuck with me that, hey, that's kind of what I need to get in line is because right now, truly, if I weren't able to do, you know, no one could really run my business. You know, people don't know how it's done, how pricing does and all that sort of thing. And so I'm really at this point thinking about bringing someone on board that I can teach and help. And then, you know, down the road, 
when I do want to do even less or sell it, I think I'll be ready. Yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, it's crucial. I always get, um, I've been in obviously leadership meetings and I've been doing this podcast now three and a half years and talk to business owners all the time. And, you know, they always say at some point you got to be able to work on the business, not in the business. Um, mm -hmm. And that sounds like what you're kind of where you're at right now is yeah. right. The, the business has grown over the years and, you know, you want to make sure you have time for your family and you're working on the business while being in the business, but, you know, right. working more yeah. on the business. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, Todd, I always end this podcast by asking my guests to leave us with one piece of advice. And that piece of advice could be personal, it could be business, it could be anything you wanted to leave us with. If you could leave us with one thing today, what would it be? Can I leave you with two? Sure, of course. Okay, one personal, one business. The personal one is um, don't go looking for Mr. Right or don't go looking for Miss Right. Be Mr. Right or be Miss Right and things will work out. Um, that was very helpful for me at a time when I was kind of down and out with a breakup I had and I just started saying, hey, I'm going to be me. And that's when I found my wife. So that's a good bit that's of advice. Great advice. Right. And the other one is uh, uh, don't say no. Um, you know, I mean, there are times that you will want to, but I mean, regarding business and growth, um, the more you're a yes man, the bigger you can get and just, you know, say yes and, and try to figure it out and, and make it happen. Yeah, that's great advice. Well, especially when you're trying to grow the business and being willing to adapt and and move, right? You came from being a one man DJ show to now, you know, working for the Cardinals all these years and et cetera. You mm -hmm. you said yes and the opportunities just kind of opened up for you. So great, two great pieces of advice. And on behalf of myself and the STL Leaders podcast, I appreciate what you do for our city of St. Louis and thank you for being a great STL leader. Thank you.